Well, we're done with uh, our stewardship series, and I can I feel like I can sigh with uh, have a little bit of sigh of relief. Hey, it's good to see y'all. It's a full house today. Appreciate uh, those who are faithful. Uh, definitely see you guys in heaven. The, the other people we got to be praying about. Joking. Um, we are going to be jumping back into our 72-week series through the book of Mark called uh, Vintage Jesus and really looking at the life of Christ. And so if uh, you need a Bible to do this, uh, if you didn't bring one along, there's some in the aisles. Uh, you can just kind of flag somebody down. We're going to be looking at uh, Mark chapter 4 today. Um, but before we start, uh, I got a little bit of a confession I am um, a fire junkie. Ever, I always was as a little kid. You give me a match and anything that can burn, I was in heaven. I, my brother and I, we grew up in, grew up in Iowa. My whole family grew up in Iowa, not just my brother and I. And uh, we, uh, we lived out on a farm. And, you know, there's really not a lot to do once you get your chores done. Uh, out on the farm, and so my brother and I had to be creative with how we would spend our time. And uh, one of the things that we always did uh, was we would build these little bonfires, and we would make sure that we would build these bonfires when Dad wasn't around, because Dad was kind of like uh, the regulator. He w- he would manage, you know, what can and cannot happen. So if Dad was going to be running into town for something or doing something else away from the farm, my brother and I would just build these fires. And then we started getting bored with just building fires. you got to start putting things into fires besides wood. And uh, so we, um, as kids, we would take these cattle prodders, you know what I'm talking about, you know, to get, I'm talking to city folks. There's these shoots that you would get cattle or pigs up and sometimes they, they've got a mind of their own, so you have these little electric prodders that you and move them right on up the, the chute. Well, my brother and I, uh, we would find uh, these cattle prodders, and we'd say that the, the charge isn't strong enough, so we'd take the batteries out, and we'd throw them into the fire. First time we did it, <laughs> we about died. Because once, just so you know, don't do this at home, Okay, put that disclaimer. Men, don't do this at home. Ladies, you're the regulators now. Uh, first time we did it, we just threw a battery in. You know, just random things. When batteries heat up, they explode. And they go firing. <laughs> first time, it's like, ping! My, it, you know, bouncing off the bar. It's like, <laughs> that is cool. And so what do you have to do? You find more batteries. You start getting those big, those big volt ones, and whatever you could find, we just loved fiber, fire. We were Beavis and Butthead before um, there was Beavis and Butthead. <clears throat> fire, you know, burn. And we would, just, we would just throw anything and everything we could into this fire. And then it kind of moved on as I matured. Um, I'm not fully matured yet, but as, as we grew uh, – we started doing campfires. My brother and I just loved to camp. We had this pond nearby, and we just loved building these campfires. And they weren't just little fires. They had to be the kind that you could see from miles and miles away kind of, kind of fires. And we loved the stories. 
we would just make up stories. We would tell stories. We'd have friends that would go camping with us, and stories after stories. Around, there's something magical about a campfire. That's one of the reasons why we're going camping as a church is there's something about when you get together, gather around a fire, and share stories. And there's just, today we're going to be looking at uh, a piece of scripture where Jesus says, listen, you are the light of the world. What What do you do with a light? Obviously, hopefully more than just throw batteries in or uh, tell stories, we're going to be looking and see what Jesus has to say as he's instructing his disciples about light, about who we really are when we are grounded in Christ. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 4. If you get one of those those Bibles from the the edge, I think the page is uh, 697. And we're going to start at chapter 4, verse 21. So follow along with me as I read. He said to them, Do you bring a lamp in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear. He continued, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, whoever will be given more, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now jump over uh, to your left to Matthew chapter 5. And this is one of those parallel stories told a slightly different. And Jesus is... um, is, this is the Beatitudes, where Jesus is doing the Sermon on the Mount and just sharing this, this, these long series of messages. We're going to be looking at, um, starting at verse 14 of chapter 5. Jesus says this, You are the, salt, are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In Matthew, he says, you're the light of the world. In Mark, he says, listen, what do you do with that light? If you are the light of the world, what do you do with that light? One of the pressures that pastors have is that um, many people, just because of the culture that we've we've grown up in, our Christian culture, is that people, people look at professional Christians pastors as the people who are to be the light of the world. They look at the pastor and say, you know what? Hey, I've got this friend that you've got to meet. I've got this buddy, and I, I, he really needs Jesus. So, hey, would you mind she, talking to him? 
you know, kind of doing this connecting, and maybe you can lead them to Christ, really be praying for them. I'd really appreciate if you talk to my buddy. Or you, you bring people specifically to church because you want the pastor to kind of do your, your dirty work. You want the pastor to be the person who says, all right, come to Jesus, here's an opportunity. We're going to play just as I am 12 times until somebody comes up to the front and we're going to pray for this person they are going to accept Jesus. And you bring them to church because this is the place where we do it. And Jesus is saying, hold on. You, you are the light of the world. You, every person, you all right, Lola? You and you alone are the light of the world. So what are you going to do with the light? Light brings warmth. Light brings, uh, brings things that are dark into, uh, into the knowledge of you know, what is really going on. Light is essential to existence. Without light, there is death. So the question is for us as Christians, what does it mean for us to be the light of the world and what do we do with that light? How do, how do, we, how do we exercise our lightness as the body of Christ and as individuals? What, do we, what is it that we do? Because Jesus says, listen, you, you've got a responsibility here. This light is meant to be shown. He first starts off by saying, okay, you need to realize that light is not meant to be hidden. When you bring it into the house, and you've got to think of these, think of the little house on the prairie times. You know, Jesus' times is a little far back. Think little house on the prairie. Some of you are going, little house on the who? Think, think of camping, okay? Think of camping, pitch dark. You light a lantern, you light a candle, you bring light in so that what? You light it so that it can be used, so that you can see, so that there's warmth. And she's saying, listen, you you don't light a candle and then put it under a, a bowl. You don't light a candle and then put it under the bed. One, it's a, just a pure hazard. But, you know, you, you light it and you put it on its place so that the whole room, wherever that candle is, is it illuminates the whole room so that everybody around can see, see what's going on, so they can see themselves. You don't use light. You don't light something and then hide it. It defeats its purpose. It's silly. So if we're the light of the world and Christ says, listen, you are the light of the world. Let's do something. Let's do something with this light. Matthew Henry, uh, who has written commentaries after commentaries, says, listen, we must note that gifts and grace make men as lights, as candles. Gifts and grace make men as a candle. The grace that we have received and the gifts that we have been given make us a candle. They make us usable. They make us functional. The gift that we have received from the Father of lights, which is what God calls himself, 
that gift and those grace are given to the body of Christ to be used. And they're not meant to be hidden. They're not meant to be stuff that you put in your pockets or put under the bed or put under a bowl. These, the grace that has been given to you and the gifts that have been given to you are meant to be used so that when you step out into the public arena or in your private world, the gifts and grace illuminate a room. And people say, there is something unique. There's something strangely appealing about this. Like a moth to a candle, a moth to light. People say, I get it. There's something something attractive about this person. So the first question is, do you recognize the grace that has been given to you as a believer? As a believer in Jesus Christ, do you recognize the grace that has been poured out on you? Do you recognize that Jesus Christ has died for your sins, shed his pure and innocent blood so that we do not have to face the wrath of God? Do you recognize that? Because as soon as you recognize that Christ's blood, his life and his blood has covered over our lives, so that we are right before God, we have been given a tremendous amount of grace. And that should not just bring us relief. That should bring us to the point of praise. That should bring us to the point of worship, where we say, yes, I have been given grace. So therefore, when I enter a room, I don't enter as an unlit candle. I enter in as a person that has been given a tremendous amount of grace and it should radiate throughout the room so that every person sees from my life the gift that I have. On top of that, every person who is a Christian, a believer, has been given gifts Spiritual gifts, talents, passions. And when coupled, when we understand the grace that has been given to us and recognize that we have gifts, there's this explosive thing that happens of gratitude paired with gifts leads us to service. So what are you doing? with the grace and the gifts that have been given to you? Do you hide it underneath the bed? Put it underneath a bowl? Make it a very private kind of thing? You know, it's just between me and Jesus. Or is it something that you set out and say, hey, I've been given grace. I've been given some tremendous gifts and talent and passions that I must use. And I've said this before, here at Missio Day Church, every member, every regular attender who calls this place their home must, must use the gifts that they've been given. There's no such thing as a passive member. That's like saying I've got a passive arm. What's the, what's the purpose of it? Cut it off and 
go on. Jesus says, listen, every, every member serves a purpose. So we, we've got to be intentional about identifying what are our gifts, what are our passions, because we are called to serve out of the grace that has been given to us. But here's, here's the deal. There are many who have been lit as candles. They have received this grace and they've been given, received these gifts by the Holy Spirit, but they put their gifts under the bed or they put them underneath a some kind of bowl or basket or a bushel. I just remembered this little light of mine. How many people grew up singing that song? Okay. Don't let Satan blow it out. No, yeah, thank you, thank you. Singing along by myself. I'm going to let... But there's people who, you know, they take that light. Can you tell I grew up in a Christian subculture? These terrible songs just stick in my head. But uh, there's these lights that, you know, we've been given, but there's those... It says, listen, some people, they they put it underneath a bowl. Some people even put it under the bed, which makes absolutely no sense to me. They put it under the bed and they hide it. They've got these gifts, these talents, and they hide it. There's people who have have these tremendous gifts of speaking, who are, who are never using their gifts of speaking. There's these people who have their, and I'm not just talking, well, I can talk in small, but they've got gifts where, man, I could talk about Scripture. I've, I've, got, I've got a tremendous comfortableness to stand up and talk. There's some people here who have the gift of teaching, where they can, you know, they could explain predestination to a five-year-old, and the five-year-old goes, I get it. You know, or you can teach first graders all about the book of Revelation, and these kids get eschatology, and they start using these big words, because you've got this gift of teaching. But some of us are just sitting in the, I was going to call these pews, are sitting in our chairs, and just kind of sitting here going, you know, I use that gift all week long. You know, or... Maybe I just need to wait a little bit longer till I'm really sure with this, or you know, I I'm really don't want to get connected yet, and I'm still checking things out. And God's going, hold on a second. I've been giving you these gifts. I've given you this grace. It is time for you to use it, and don't put it underneath the bed. Don't put it underneath a bushel. Don't put it underneath a bowl. Use it. Some have been given tremendous amounts of wealth, and I know that's not most of us here, but we, we're wealthy by comparison for the rest of the world we've been given wealth we've been given resources and god is saying listen i've given you these gifts i've given you this grace now use it don't hide it because that's selfishness and he's saying use it use these gifts because listen it is meant to be out in the open these gifts this grace the gospel of jesus christ is meant to be left out in the open for all people. But then there's those whose lives you can just tell when you're around them that there's something beautiful about them. They take their light, they put it on a stand, and when they're when you're around them, the aroma, the fragrance of Christ just goes out. And you go, yes. I love being around these people. I might not understand them. But I love being around them. Because when I'm around them, 
somehow more of me is revealed. And I understand my true identity is not found in what I do, how I spend it, where I go, how many kids I have. But my identity is found in this person called Jesus Christ. And they talk about this person and how he's not just a Sunday Jesus and how he just infiltrates their whole life. They're bold when they talk about him. Their neighbors, their neighbors know who they really are. They're not just these good moral folks. Those folks, they're Christians. They're not those creepy kind of Christians that hand out pamphlets and little, little leaflets all the time. But there's something very real and authentic. And when they're around, darkness seems to move out. So where are you? When you really look at your life, when you look at the reality of the grace that has been given to you and the gifts that have been given to you, where are you? Are you a person that takes that gift and that grace and hides it? Keeps it kind of at the safe distance so that you're not really uncomfortable? Because here, here's what Matthew says. Put, put it up there for me, Ty. You, and actually in the Greek it says you, and you alone are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Your faith should not be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bed under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to who? Everyone. It gives light not just to your family members, your closest people that you can trust. It gives light to everyone, like a city on a hill. You can tell where it is. There it is. There's a city. I, I looked this week on, on uh, as I was researching about this whole light stuff. Light pollution is a problem in the United States. If you do this um, satellite picture of the United States, you look where the Great Lakes are and you can see where Chicago is because of light pollution. You can see it on the East Coast and the West Coast, kind of in the mid- Midwest. It's kind of dark. But you see these spots where it is bright and there is a strange light pollution that is going on. And Jesus says, listen, I don't want you to be pollution, but your light needs to be visible. Like a city on a hill, people should be able to say, Right there. That's where a Christian is. That's where... You got questions about Jesus? Go there. See that person. And then he says, in the same way, let your light shine before men. Because, I love this, that they may see your good deeds. There's nothing wrong with people seeing your good deeds. And, here's the key thing, and praise your Father in heaven. And praise your Father in heaven. And they're just going, wow, I get it. I get who you are. I get who Jesus is. I get who I am. All I can do is praise my Father in heaven. Let your light shine before all men. There's 
There is no gift, no treasure, no grace that is meant to be lodged and hidden. It's meant to be brought out into the open. And honestly, we need to address it. As a church, as a Christian culture, the church of Jesus Christ needs to say, listen, let our light shine. Let the world see our good deeds and let them praise the Father in heaven. We need to address it because it just scares me as 2008 comes and we've got this, this crazy thing called an election where all of a sudden the United States becomes polarized between Republican and Democrat, the haves and the have-nots, the right and the wrong. I'm not saying left or right is right or wrong. I'm just saying that's our, kind of our mentality. If you don't vote for Obama or Hillary, don't do that, by the way, or, um, or uh, McCain, you know, man, you, you're definitely going to hell. And, you know, there's this religious right that says we, if you don't vote for the Republican side, I'm questioning your salvation. I'm questioning your judgment. And then there's the other side that says, what are you talking about? And neither get it. Neither side understands. And as we build up to this time where we're going to be electing, I'm just going, man, if the church of Jesus Christ could just let our light shine and not let it become political, let your light shine before people, and then they'll praise the Father in heaven. What a beautiful thing if the whole body of Christ, not just pastors, the whole body of Christ would do this. Could you imagine what it would be like? What would be happening in marriages? What would be happening at city council levels? A whole city-wide? If the body of Christ said, we're going to let our light shine. We're going to recognize the grace that has been given to us and we are going to use our gifts and our talents and our passions to minister to the body of Christ and reach out to the city. We'll do whatever it takes because we, we've been given a tremendous gift. And on top of that, we will see fruit. We'll see people come to Christ. We'll celebrate with picnics. And we'll celebrate with picnics because we're having baptisms. Maybe we'll have a potluck. Maybe we'll have a a casserole or something like that. I don't know. But we're going to have for sure baptisms because the people people of God are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Have you ever heard of a guy named Charles Haddon Spurgeon? Anybody ever heard of Charles Haddon Spurgeon? Oh, he's probably not an easy read. Uh, he's not one of those guys that you just pick up and just read through. Th- this guy um, was a pastor in London, and he started being a, a pastor at a very, very young age. In fact, they called him the boy preacher. And when, when people, when he would preach, when Spurgeon would preach people would travel from miles and miles and miles away to come. And he, uh, he had the first uh, megachurch, and it was called uh, the Metropolitan Tabernacle. 
It was a megachurch before there were megachurches. But I'll tell you the amazing thing about when he, would, when he would preach, when he would speak, lives were turned upside down, inside out. And one time a news reporter came to him and asked him why so many people came week after week after week to hear him preach. His, his answer was simple and it was profound. This, this is what he, he said. When I preach, the Holy Spirit lights me on fire and people come watch me burn when I preach and I could just hear him he's a short little stocky man when I preach the Holy Spirit lights me on fire and people come from miles and miles and miles away to come watch me burn there is this passion in my belly that I have got to get out so when I preach people know that it is true it is real the Holy Spirit has ignited something inside me And all I can do is just be faithful. They come to take their flickering little torches. Or maybe unignited torches. And they stick it into his torch. His flame. And they burst into flame. question is, are you even flammable? Is the tinder of your spirit, is the, the tinder of your spiritual life flammable? So even if you would come to a church service because you're a good, faithful Christian, that's what we do on Sundays. Does a sermon like this just even ignite you, or does it just kind of go, or do you really need to fan it into flame and just hope, man, if I do a little bit more, do a little bit more? Or can you say, man, I'm ready to go. I'm heading out these doors again because I experienced the Holy Spirit igniting me on fire, and it's time for me to go. And do people, when you walk into the room, are people going, man, this person is on fire. That was an overused terminology when I was in high school. Man, you just need to be on fire for Jesus. But this is true. Is there a flame? Is your life just flammable so that it just explodes? Or is the condition of your spiritual life dry? Or is it wet? Is it damp? Or is it ready just to catch fire and go? It's my prayer that each of us, each of us can say, man, Lord, I want you to ignite me. I want you to ignite me so that I can ignite others. they can't help but to warm themselves with the heat. The original churches met in homes and they were kingdom outposts. They were places that stayed close to those in need of the gospel. 
they met from home to home in the very neighborhoods that they lived. And it's critical because they knew the people around them who needed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there was something unique about their lives. That when preaching happened, when conversations happened, people came to Christ. Casual conversations in the marketplace, people came to Christ. Peter stands up and preaches. The church explodes. you got these people who just walk out in the desert and just so happens another guy's going by on a chariot and he says, hold on a second, what is it that you're reading? Let me, let me explain what that really is about. Yeah, that's prophet Isaiah and he's, he's talking about Jesus. And the eunuch goes, I get it. You were available right here. And you explained this to me. And I think I, hey, we're, we're right by the River Jordan. You mind if I get baptized now? Available. Available. Taking the light and putting it out. Spurgeon also said that God will not use dead tools for working living miracles. God doesn't use dead tools work living miracles. So it's, it is crucial for us to do that, that examination and say, God, is there life in me? Is there life that is just growing and budding and bearing fruit and that fruit is now growing over there and budding and bearing fruit and we got this whole forest of life going on? Or am I just a dead tool? Because God wants to do living miracles in our time. God wants to transform our marriages. He wants to transform our workplaces. He wants to transform the cities that we live in, the neighborhoods that we live in. He wants to transform the county. He wants to transform the state. He wants to transform this country. He wants to transform the world. But it requires us to be alive. It requires us to use the grace and the gifts that has been given to us to see living miracles where the dead are now alive. So are you flammable? Are you flammable? Or... Would you classify yourself as a closet Christian? You've got your candle. You're hiding in a closet until it's Sunday morning and it's safe to come out because that's what we do. What is it that you're doing with the grace that has been given to you? Because Jesus says, listen, you got to understand it. 
You've got to understand this because whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever you've been hiding, whatever it is, your faith. And Jesus is talking to his disciples saying, listen, they're not going to get all this, but you know, when I die, whatever these little, as we have these little discussions and I'm explaining all this, Jesus is saying, listen, now you've got you've to disclose it to the rest of the world. You've got to share this. You've got to open up this gospel to everybody. It needs to be brought out into the open. And if anyone has ears, and I think that's all of us here, hear what he has to say. And there's a certain strange accountability or responsibility. Consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more. So this idea of, listen, I'm giving you this grace. You use it, you're going to see what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to pack it down and it's going to keep on going over and over. And that's how it's going to be used. But if you know what? If you're not going to use it, I'm just going to take it away. I'm taking these, these gifts, these talents, the passion. You know what? If you're not going to use it, I, I just don't want to waste it. It is a precious, precious gift. So are we flammable? I pray that as people look at you, as people look at us as we gather and we scatter again, that people say, man, they are ignited. These people are on fire. God, it has to be God has set them on fire, and they are ablaze. And in a cold, dark world, this is where we get our warmth. This is where we see who we really are. This is where we get hope. This is where I understand my purpose in life. This is where my gifts and passions Find true meaning in working out the kingdom of God. This is where my kids understand and see more. This is where my neighbors, my neighbors now go, yes, I get it. It wasn't just a barbecue. It was an opportunity to show the hospitality, to show grace as they have received it. I get it. It's not just an offering that we take, but it's a response of gratitude to our Creator. So are we as a church, are you as believers, flammable and are you willing to put that light in its proper place so that it can illuminate wherever you go you are the light of the world it's a huge responsibility you 
You are the light of the world. Let's pray. God, it's my prayer that your Holy Spirit will ignite us on fire and that people will come and watch us burn. Lord, that they would just take their their flickering torch or their unignited torch and, Lord, just stick it close to us. And, Lord, that you will ignite them as well. Lord, that there's this strange penetrating of the darkness with the light of the gospel. And it brings the truth to bear in loving and personal ways. God, that our our homes are places where the gospel is just bright. So that the neighborhood can see that this person loves you tremendously. God, and I just pray that our workplaces become brighter places as we put our the light that you've given us in its proper place so that it will just illuminate our workplaces. God, teach us how to do this. And Lord, for those this morning who can say, man, I am just dead. I so desire to work a living miracle. God, I just pray for that brother and sister this morning. Lord, would you uh, fan them into flame again? Would you reignite their heart? May the passion just burn even deeper and brighter. So God, teach us as a community and as individuals of how to be uh, the light of the world how to show our good deeds before people. Lord, we look forward to those days where people praise the Father in heaven because we've been faithful with the light that we've been given. God, I thank you for my brothers, my sisters here this morning. God, this is a weekend where many of us have family obligations. We've got weekend off. We've got barbecues and picnics and baseball games and all kinds of stuff going on. God, may this be a weekend where we uh, we carry this light proudly and brightly into every sector of our life. God, I pray for uh, Russ. I pray for Josh, as they are serving this weekend, serving your country overseas. God, I pray for their safety. But even more than their safety, God, I pray that even their light can shine brightly right where they're at. Lord, that without a question, people that they come in contact with know who you are because of what how they act 
how they speak, how they love, how they care, how they serve. Yeah, I just pray for the church. Not just miss you a day, but I pray for Grace Fellowship, for St. John's. I pray for St. Mary's, for Parkview, the Methodist Church, the Baptist Church. God, I just pray, Lord, that you ignite your church here in Mokina with the power of the gospel. Lord, that in our time we can see your hand moving and working and transforming our area. God, I pray for their leadership, their pastors, their elders, those who minister in their their children's ministry, to the elderly. God, just ignite them so that it is obvious so that the love for you is just radiant and the fragrance of Christ just goes out. God, would you work something powerful in our midst in our day? Would you create a hunger, a deep hunger within us? It's not satisfied. But wants to be consumed by your your flame. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it still speaks today in powerful ways. I just pray this in the name of Jesus. All God's people said.